Hi, and welcome to the audio choke here at MMATorch.com, where we work out naked in our Reeboks every day. Speak for yourself. I'm Greg Rowland. I'm Toby Shelby. And I'm Matt Collins. Yeah, joke's on you. I don't work out, so... Aha, joke's on everybody, because I totally do. Wink, <laughs> wink. Actually, just got my first gym membership in a while today. It's awesome. Congratulations. Mm, you thank you. Yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got it today, and he's still at work. So, yeah. I mean... It's fine. I'm just doing the uh, the podcast. This is a workout from my mouth. Blah, 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 blah. All right, let's get oh, into okay. it. <laughs> WEC. Yeah, there's a WEC this weekend, and I'm going to mention it, because maybe once before we just kind of forgot that there was a WEC on TV. Yeah, so go back into the archives here at MMATorch.com and find out which podcast we didn't mention it. Yeah, but you know what? When there's a lot of UFCs and a lot of strike forces going on, it's easy to just kind of lose a WEC in the shuffle, but yeah. this coming weekend, it's all we got, so we'll talk about it. Yes, yes we will. Brian Bowles will be defending his uh, bantamweight? Is that the 135 belt? I believe. I think so. All right, hold on. Because I'm pretty sure 145 is featherweight, so uh, I'm thinking it's Phantom. We uh, we got to check with the internets here yeah. to come to a consensus. But yeah, uh, Brian Bowles, who's coming off a surprising uh, upset win, uh, first round knockout of uh, TKO of uh, Miguel Torres. And that's the guy that looks like a beetle. Brian Bowles does. Yes, because yes. of his haircut. So he's Bowles. Yeah. Yeah, hair definitely not an insult at all. But he just like when he, he some people kind of like are stereo. Uh, some MMA fighters stereotypically look like you see a guy walking down the street. Like, oh yeah, I bet you that guy's a fighter. Mm-hmm. Ryan Bowles does not have that look. He looks pretty. Uh, he looks like a pretty normal guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You know, he doesn't have like you know sword tattoos. Yeah, he doesn't have a dance and throw money out in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Poor rock star all over his head. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, he doesn't have he doesn't have that look, and he's you know. But uh, unassuming looking guy, but yeah, he, he uh, yeah. knocked the bejesus out of Miguel Torres in their last fight, and this is his first title defense. And also on the card is Miguel Torres, Ooh. so they're probably setting that up for, uh, I would imagine if Miguel Torres gets the win and Brian Bowles gets the win, they'll, they'll probably set up a, a rematch. I think Frank Mayer would be very happy about that. Because yeah. the WEC pool isn't all that uh, deep, is it? Yeah, you know... Um, it is and it isn't. Like, right. Yeah, there's a lot of good... There's At the top, there's several good fighters, but they end up kind of just doing like the three- or four-way dance, you know, competitors going through the revolving door of uh, challenging. Well, that and while there's a lot of good fighters out there, there's not a whole lot of good exposure for the WEC fighters. So unless you're one of really the top few names in each given weight class, nobody knows who you are. I mean, Brian Bowles is the champion now, but six months ago, like, who the hell is Brian Bowles? You know, nobody really knew who he was. He was a hot up-and-comer at the time. You know, he, he had earned his title shot. But, um, you know, just they don't get the Spike TV UFC hype machine behind them the same way that uh, the UFC does. And uh, as a result of that, you know, like, we know who Miguel Torres is. We know who Uriah Faber is and the guys who beat them. But we don't really know a whole lot of the other people besides that. It's just, you know... Until you hear the name and get to see them fight, you don't know who it is. So a lot of people that get into the UFC, is the WEC more of a uh, a starting point? Like you can get your head into there, you can get your foot in the door into the WEC easier? Or? Well, that was kind of the way it was for a while, but the UFC cannibalized uh, a few of the weight classes. Uh, so now WEC only has 135, 145, and then lightweight. So they only have three uh, weight classes now, and basically... 
for for the lightweight class, it, it's kind of like a minor league for the UFC still. Um, although you don't really see a whole lot of crossover. But the 145 and 135, I mean, that's uh, those are elite guys. They just uh, the UFC doesn't really feature those weight classes. So uh, to be the WEC 145 champion, that's as big as it gets for those guys. Mm. That's something I'd like to see down the line, though, is uh, for the UFC to maybe just start featuring, uh, you know, a, a few fighters from those weight classes. And, you know, not necessarily all the guys, but, you know, like, WC's got a uh, pay-per-view coming up, and I think it's probably going to have a hard time selling a whole lot of a lot of shows just because the UFC or the WC doesn't have the the name power that the UFC has. But what they could have done, I think, is put you know Uriah Faber against Jose Aldo, put that on a UFC card, get those guys some money, and uh, you know it, that would also help improve the versus name, I think, or the the, the WC name. Probably better than uh, uh, doing their own pay-per-view because not a whole lot of people are going to see it. Yeah, I, I think I mean part of it is just like the UFC is so like uh, ingrained into. I mean, they do at least one pay-per-view every month, and you know, so, so someone even if it is like a sister company trying to break into the pay-per-view market is going to have a hard, tough time uh, getting anyone except for probably the hardcores to really be like, yes, I would like to spend another forty to fifty dollars a month on pay-per-views. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, the upcoming WEC uh, the pay-per-view is, is pretty solid. But, yes, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a tough sell for that. Uh, I think what we're going to see, because I know there's the uh, UFC on versus between uh, now and um, the uh, upcoming WEC pay-per-view, I think that's going to probably be a big promotional push for that pay-per-view. But still, I think it's going to be a bit of a tough sell, and that'll probably be a podcast in and of itself as, as the date gets closer. But so March 6th, there is a WEC on Versus Network for yes, free. WEC yes. 47. Yeah! They should have just called it, you don't have to pay for it, but it's Bulls versus Cruz. That's uh, the uh, main event, the title fight for the uh, Bantamweight Championship. Uh, also, uh, co-main event, or uh, one of the other draws, is Miguel Torres versus Joseph Benavides. And uh, as we get further down the line, I get worse and worse with the names of these fighters. Uh, I can say his name off air fine, but as soon as you put a mic in my face, I probably can't say Davidis Torres Savicius. But uh, I think that was close enough versus Elsie Davis. Uh, Jens Pulver versus uh, Javier Vasquez hey, as well. Little time. Evil's in there. Little Evil making his comeback again. Yeah. This time he's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's uh, on a, a four-fight losing streak, if I remember correctly, and, and has lost something like six out of his last seven. So, I mean, his, his back's definitely up to the wall on this one. Um, and he knows it, too. Uh, he, uh, he, he really hasn't been able to, to get any wins since uh, he first came to the WEC, he beat up Cub Swanson. But, uh, you know, it, it's been rough for him, and he, he's an older guy. He's not super old by a fighter's standards. He's like 35, I think. But when you get to the lighter weights, I think um, age probably plays a factor earlier. They say in boxing that speed is the first thing to go. And, uh, you know, if you're a heavyweight, who cares? You know, Brock Lesnar loses a little bit of speed. It's no big deal. But when you're fighting guys who are super quick, that can make a huge difference. So, um, I mean, I don't think that anyone expects Little Evil to ever get back to where he was, uh, uh, you know, five years ago, ten years ago. But um, it'd be good to see him go out with a, a win under his uh, uh, belt. Because sure, but he's not going to go out, though. They never do. Right. Yeah. You know, they just have to lose and lose and lose until they, 
you know, leave with their tail between their legs, and then they come back again. They fight Mark Coleman or you know, mm-hmm. the Randy Couture. You know, yeah, you see I, where I was going. I with think that. Ken Shamrock's still trying to get fights. As far as I know, Dan Severn's still in it. He's fifty something. Mm-hmm. But yeah. maybe he'll be the exception to the yeah. rule. Well, yeah, I mean, but once you get I mean, you can certainly, especially people with name value, you can certainly always find work. It's just, you know, whether you can find work at the highest level. And for people in that weight class, WC is kind of the, the, the cream of the crop for, uh, you know, the lower weight classes. But, yeah, and Jens Pulver's taking on another veteran, Javier Vasquez, who's been around for a while, doesn't have, doesn't have as big of uh, as a name, but he, he's been in the game for a while. And uh, he's coming off. He's, he's His last couple fights in the WC, I think, both were con- kind of controversial uh, split decisions. Um, so he, he's probably also in need of a win, but um, yeah, no. This uh, upcoming card also has uh, Leonard Garcia on it versus George Roop. Mm, that's a good fight. Yeah, Danny Castillo, Castillo. At least I didn't say Castillo. So you know, <laughs> versus Anthony Pettis. Castillo. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pulling up uh, Javier uh, Showtime Vasquez's uh, record here. Uh, yeah, he's, his last two uh, fights were losses to. Uh, Davidas Tarasovicius and Elsie Davis. Also on the card. Yeah, both those guys are on the card. Um, and yeah. Fighting each other. Yep. <laughs> Weird. Weird indeed. Maybe yeah, they planned it out that way. Yeah, you know, kind of keep all those guys kind of in the mix or whatever. But yeah, I know, two split decisions. Um, and those are those are so far, I think, uh, Javi Vasquez's only fights in the WEC. So, But yeah, someone who's been around since 98. Uh, kind of unfortunate that, you know, his first, you know, kind of big exposure for uh, WEC fans is... Two decision losses. Yeah, well, it lo- looks like he took a few years off in the yeah. middle of the decade. So yeah, yeah, and I, I'm not too familiar with his, his history, but you know, you never know if that's just time off or an injury or whatever. But yeah, it's just one of those guys who's been around for a while but never got to the uh, the the peak. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking through the fight card right now, and, and no other names are really. I mean, there's several other cards uh, fighters on the card, but uh, Scott Jorgensen uh, versus Chad George also might be familiar for people uh, follow the WEC. So uh, it, it should be a good fight. And, again, it, it's free. You don't have to pay for this one. Just and it's great. Yeah. yeah, Versus is pretty cool, too. I'm not a huge fan of their HD channel. Sometimes they have those two bars on the side of the screen. You don't like HD bull riding? Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you. I, I do, actually. I don't know. I think Grandma sure would, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm liking the uh, George Roop and Leonard Garcia fight. Uh, George Roop was on Season 8 of The Ultimate Fighter on uh, Team Mir. And, uh, you know, he had some success. I believe he won his first fight and then lost the second one on there. And uh, he lost in the UFC to uh, George Satteropoulos. And uh, I don't know if he had any other fights. I guess he fought Dave Camplin and beat him also. But, uh, you know, he's a good fighter and he's fun to watch. And uh, he fought, he's fighting Leonard Garcia, who is uh, uh, he's a pretty fun guy to fight, too. So Yeah, a lot of, a lot of familiar names on the card, a lot of... Uh I guess WEC veterans at this point. So, uh, yeah, again, a good card. And WEC has always been one of those cards where, you know, even if the name value is not there, and that's just one of the things, you know, like the UFC kind of always, like, throws, you know, throws names on a card. Um, you know, even if the name value isn't there, um, they, you can kind of, because of their lower weight classes, the... There are always, always a lot more action, a lot of, a lot right. of quick, quicker movements, even if it's not a brawler versus a wrestler. You know, you get, get these guys rolling around or throwing some good punches all the time. Right, yeah. I mean, they, I mean the, the, the smaller weight classes are so much quicker for, you know, basically as a general rule. I mean, there's always a few exceptions, I guess. But, yeah, it's just like it, it's a lot faster paced. And, you know, you, there are, like, first-round knockouts, but there's also, you know, like, you you know, fights that go all the way to the decision that are equally as exciting just because of the pace these guys keep up. Uh, 
Ben Henderson versus Donald Cerrone is like a great example of that. They went five rounds uh, uh, a while ago, and it was it was not like a boring five round decision or anything. It was like you yeah. know these guys were going all out for five rounds because you know they're not carrying as much weight and they did, they got better cardio, so they they're really bringing it. So I almost don't understand America's obsession with the heavyweight. Like, yeah, we all want to see. You know, someone getting their you know jaw just snapped in half. But I mean, if you can still keep up this uh, a great pace and excitement, you know, like an MTV music video, these guys are like, you know, everything's just uh, quick jabs and you know sweeps, and it can be a lot of fun. Well, yeah, but exciting like the fights that go to a decision don't don't make good highlight reels. Whereas they you know like, oh my god, he punched his face off. Good highlight reel. Well, also, I think there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, you're, you're watching a fight live as opposed to, you know, watching the DVD or whatever later on. And with the heavyweights, you get more of a feeling like this fight could end in a second. It might not, and it probably won't, but it might be over. Like, I can't close my eyes for a couple of seconds because I might miss this huge knockout punch. And while that can happen at lower weight classes, um, the further lower you get, the less likely you're going to see this one-punch knockout. Um, that It does happen. I mean, even at 135, it does happen, but there, there's less guys. And at heavyweight, I mean, even the guys who aren't known for their punching power can go in there and knock a guy out. So I I, I think you get something uh, for that. And, you know, America still has more of an obsession with the knockout over the submission, I would say. Yeah. Um the lighter fighters are probably more likely to come up with a surprise submission. But, uh, you know, heavyweight fighters can get that, too, especially if you look at a guy like Frank Mir, who, uh, you know, will bust a submission out of nowhere and, you know, break your arm before you even know you're in a hold sometimes. Um, but I think that's probably what the the deal with the heavyweights is, is the excitement for the live fight. But I'll tell you, you know, when I look at my, my favorite fights to watch uh, on uh, DVD or whatever, is usually not nearly as many heavyweight fights on there just because uh, most of the time in retrospect they're not as exciting as they are when it's actually happening. Right, and I, th- I think hopefully that, that seems to be changing a little bit now, but yeah, it's kind of traditionally heavyweights have always been, you know, not, they don't hold up as well over time, and yeah, it's just not but necessarily as interesting in the long run, but yeah, I mean, now we've got a lot quicker heavyweights and stuff, so m- maybe that's changing a bit, but uh we shall, uh, we shall see. We'll see, man. WEC is cool, and they have a, a pay-per-view. Now, is this their first pay-per-view that's coming yes, up? this is. And what's the date on that? Good question. i got to check with the Internet. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have it in my brain right here. Hold on. Well, we can uh, talk about Frank Mir if you want. I kind of want to touch on that be subject. April 24th. April 24th. Oh, okay. so we got a little while there. we we got a ways to go, but yeah, WEC 47 is... On the sixth, which is uh, you know this weekend. Was what what kind of hype Sunday? machine is uh, is behind this? Behind the pay per view? Yeah, WC. Well, I mean, you know, it should be interesting to see if uh, the UFC helps out with that too much. Yeah, I, I would say they have. You know, the last maybe not this last UFC, but I, I remember some of the recent UFC uh, pay per views. They you know at least things like, hey, check out WC on Versus. Here's an upcoming event. Blah 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 blah. And imagine with them having you know monetary interest in it now. They would also do that. And I think that that does have a lot to do with the upcoming. Uh, I think uh, the UFC uh, on versus. Uh, I think that'll again function as a as a promotional tool, and that's that's going to be on the uh, uh, March 21st. So they'll give them. But I mean, th- that's still like you know a month out. So, but also um, versus is supposed to be uh, kind of stepping up its game as a channel uh, when they were a part of that merger uh, a month or two ago that we heard about. Um, 
part and reported about, on. Yes, and we were talking about it. I do not remember exactly what the merger is at this moment, but uh, part of the deal was that uh, you know they're, they're taking this versus channel and we're looking to make it a uh, opponent of ESPN. So the uh, the versus uh, exposure should be much greater than it is right now. Uh, right now, you know, we get it here in Anchorage, Alaska, but um, you know, not even all cable providers here uh, give it. And hope uh, you don't have Directv. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or ACS. <laughs> but you know, I have it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, a lot of people in the states just they don't get it, which sucks for them. But um, it's probably going to be a channel that's demanded more in the future. Is what I'm getting at. Um, and as the demand for any given channel rises, it's more likely to be on any given uh, cable provider. You know, y- you won't see any cable providers without Spike TV now because that's just a, a yep. widely demanded channel. And um, if Versus starts getting uh, some more shows, then uh, that's going to be great for WBC, who uh, you know may very well just have been a uh, another case of being in the right place at the right time. Let's hope so. They're going to definitely need some patience, though. I hope that if uh this upcoming pay-per-view doesn't do great, which I really have a tough time believing that it will. Right, well, and I think the expectations will be uh, scaled back a bit. I don't think they're expecting it to do, like, UFC numbers. I mean, I think, like, the other best, like, MMA promotion on pay-per-view ever has done, like, just, you know, around 100,000 buys or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah but they're definitely going to need some patience, though, with it. And it's going to take, uh, I mean, a, a couple years' worth of process, you know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I, I don't see WC jumping on, like, and I don't think they've they've said they're going to. It's going to be like, you know, maybe a, a couple events a year will be, like, so good. We'll have to put them on pay-per-view, that sort of thing. And it's not going to be like every big event's going to be on pay-per-view. But, you know, maybe a, a couple times a year they'll they'll do that. And that and that really comes down to, you know, th- that's really where promotions and fighters get make their money, you know. Because there, there's a lot to be said. You know, you have the TV deals and, you know, fighters have their endorsements and you have the live gate from the events. But, I mean, pay-per-view is really where the cold, hard cash comes from, you know. So... It's, it's part of the game, and for people who like free fights, it kind of is unpleasant. But it's yeah, and you know, if if you're that broke, they're always going to be on uh, versus eventually. Yeah, they've got uh, their version of uh, the the UFC Unleashed. They've got WEC wreckage, so you can always uh, you can always catch the fights whenever they uh, air, assuming they're any good. Yeah, or find a bunch of friends that you can pool money with, <laughs> get pay per views, or you know, if we're really lucky, uh, I don't think it's happening this. Uh, in Alaska, at least, but uh, UFC 111 is going to be the first UFC card, I believe, that's going to be broadcast in movie theaters. That's right. Really? Which, which they've done for other live events. Uh, the thing that comes to mind is every time I go to the movie theaters, I was like, upcoming in, you know, n- this month, live simulcast of the New York Metropolitan Opera or something. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd much rather go to a movie theater watch fights, but, you know, it's something that's been done before for other, you know, you know live events. Bob Martin does that. Yeah. I know that in the Philippines, they uh, every time Manny Pacquiao fights, they got just movie theaters packed. Uh, the only thing I, I see with that is, uh, like, on a personal level, you know, fights like, I like to have some friends together, you're drinking beers, you know, like, it, it's kind of a social thing to watch, and... I don't know how the atmosphere in a movie theater would be when watching fights, but usually yeah. it's like, hey, shut up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's not really the the vibe that I would be looking to get while watching uh, a UFC uh, show. You know, it, it might be completely different. Maybe there's going to be all kinds of cheering, and maybe that's going to be accepted. 
Um, yeah, being, I've never seen a live event in a movie theater before. I, I bet you could probably get some hooping, hooting and hollering in there, you know. Yeah, it'd be Let's hope, anyway. Yeah, it'd be interesting, because, you know, one of the things... I'm one of those people who's like, I like I like MMA, but I don't like going to MM, like live MMA, MMA events because I don't like large groups of MMA fans altogether because there's so many different types, and I'm one of those people who likes to sit back and kind of like analyze as I'm watching. And if like something really cool happens, yeah, I'll get excited and stuff, but uh, I'm not commenting on like, oh, that guy's shorts make him look like a homosexual. Sure. Or, you know, like, that guy don't speak English. Get out of here. Or punch <laughs> him in the face and kill him. Yeah. And, that's the, and like, and a lot of MMA fans aren't like that. But you, when you, you go guys. To live, when you go to the live <laughs> events, there are a few, and it's kind of like, it, it's hard to focus on the fights when you're surrounded by a bunch of people who are, you know... Yeah, not really rooting and, and hollering for the same things. They, they're going for it at face value. Right. The, where, why aren't yeah. you punching in, him in the face right. harder? Right. I want him dead. I want him to die at your hands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and who knows if the movie theater experience would be that. I'm sure they'd still have the movie theater decorum, perhaps. But, uh, and, you yeah. know, they probably wouldn't have a wet section at a, at a movie theater. Which might might help, but uh. Oh, waiting section on that will be the wet <laughs> section. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, talking sex about, appeal. Talking about beer. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, UFC 111 is going to be uh, the first uh, UFC event, uh, and that's like one of the things. Go to UFC.com if you want to find out where, like where the theaters are. Now, do we know if this is a one-time deal or if they're going to try to continue doing this? Oh, see, I'm looking at the UFC's official announcement. Uh, let's see, big screen nationwide in high def. Oh, snap! Ooh, 300 select movie theaters nationwide. What if they have it in 3D? Oh, that'd be <laughs> sick. Yeah. <laughs> Super sick. Yeah, the technology's coming. <laughs> yeah, but as for uh, you know watching in large groups, while you do have the occasional douchebag shouting something uh, um, in his affliction shirt, you know, yeah, oh, it, it's been my experience that for the most part. I mean, I remember watching uh, shows in at Hooters back in the day before uh, you know we had any money. And, uh, you know, that part of my uh, favorite part of the experience was the fact that, you know, like you see BJ Penn getting a rear naked choke on a guy and just like the everyone's just cheering and hoping he taps out and all that stuff. And, you know, it wasn't even necessarily just the punching in the face. Uh, they seem to at least have a knowledge of the sport, even if they didn't necessarily know who anyone was other than Chuck Liddell. Right. But, um, you know, they always seem to uh, enjoy what was going on. And... uh so I always I, I like the uh, the crowd atmosphere. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a packed place, but you know I, I'd rather do that than just watch in my room by myself right. with the lights off. Yeah, and, and that, that's a good point. And I guess it goes to like you know hopefully the the crowd is being uh, you know crazy for for the right things and you know like cause it, it's the same thing at like UFC events. You can hear people booing and like you shouldn't be booing. They're not stop booing. They're not doing anything wrong. Stop it. And then they cheer for stupid stuff. Or, but sometimes, you know, you see certain fights where they cheer when some guy passes the guard. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. So it's all about, you know, I guess the certain certain moments and certainly the... I mean, because, you know, I, I love going to movies, you know, like midnight premieres and, you know, the crowd really gets into it, you know, and, and that kind of helps the, 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 the atmosphere. But So I guess it's all, it's all uh, uh, case by case sort of, you know, it depends. And everyone that listens to the audio choke is an awesome MMA fan. Yeah, by the we don't way. have any douchebag MMA fans listening to. Not a single choke. one. And if your T-shirt has wings and swords on it, <laughs> take it off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's the Strike Force logo. Maybe. <laughs> is it? Oh snap! <laughs> that, no, yeah, way to show your wings. UFC bias, man. <laughs> <laughs> We've outed you. Yeah. Speaking of Strike Force. 
Look at that transition. Wow. Yeah. There, was, there was a Strike Force Challengers card over the weekend. Oh, snap. Hey, yes. how was that? Let's all about it. <laughs> excellent, excellent question. Uh, yeah, it was on, um, I think it was Friday. I forget. Okay. Yeah. The Sounds weekend was right. kind of long. It was Friday night. Uh, Strike Force Challenger six, and uh, you know it wasn't. Uh, it was it was kind of boring, and I don't say that as an insult to the fighters or anything like that. But some some events you come away and you're like, oh yeah, that was a great finish to that fight, or you know that was a good high paced, or even sometimes you know all the fights go to decision, but if they're they're paced well and you know they the, they end in dramatic fashion or there's good drama throughout the you know the the entire all the rounds of a of a long you know, fight that goes to a decision, you, you can come away good. But this fight, uh, this card, it, it uh, you know, there's a, a few moments that kind of stood out. But overall, it was, yeah, it was just a, it was, it was boring, you know. Um, yeah, the main event was uh, Sarah Kaufman versus Takeo Hashi. And um, after about two rounds, you kind of figure, you kind of knew how the fight was going to go. Sarah Kaufman won a five-round unanimous decision. And uh, it was, it was basically Sarah Kaufman uh, working the jab and uh, working a few combos on the on the ground and stuffing takedowns. Uh, she did get taken down. I, I think she got taken down a few times, uh, but was able to get get out of it pretty quick. She didn't want to engage on the ground. It was uh, not necessarily one of her weaknesses, but you know, one of uh, Takeo Hashi's uh, stated game plans was to you know go for submissions. She's she's more technical on that aspect. So it was kind of one of those things where you know you have the stand up fighter who wants no part of the ground game and a, and a ground fighter who's willing to engage on the feet, but isn't going to win any of the exchanges at all. Uh, Sarah Kaufman scored multiple knockdowns, not even because necessarily overwhelming like power punches, but just like uh, Takeo Hashi would go for a kick. Kaufman would either catch it or counter it and knock, get a knockdown. So after about two or three rounds, you're like, okay, um, this is how the fight's going to be, huh? Which is, uh, and, and it worked out well for Kaufman. She implemented a strategy. But it's just one of those things, the mixture between sport and entertainment. You're like, oh, I want to finish, you know, or uh, more, something more exciting. You know, go for a finish, go for go for the kill. God. Yeah. Ah. But, uh, you know, it, it, it ended uh, ended well for Kaufman, the first uh, 135 strike force uh, women's champ. And, uh, you know, no complaints on that end. But, yeah, it just wasn't, uh, it didn't cap off the evening well. It was one, of, like, I busted out my laptop and was looking around at stuff because it was really like, you know, punch, punch, block, takedown, punch some more. Get a knockdown. You'd hope they'd have a second game plan or something Let's like that. Let's repeat. Yeah, it was just one of those things. You know, Takeo Hashi would go to her corner, and you couldn't hear her cornerman because they were speaking, uh, you know, a Japanese, I believe. Uh, so you didn't really understand. But you know, like, hopefully they're telling her to do something else. And you know, going for the takedowns probably for her was the right thing. But after a while, they, they weren't working, and she started. You know, they she was getting tired, and they just weren't coming together as well. And so it just got to a point. You're like, okay, this is. Call, call, call it, call it now. We can, we can probably see what's happened, barring any sort of miraculous comeback or, or something. But uh, it was, uh, and there's Sarah Coffin afterwards. You know, pointed out she, she, she says she likes to go for the finish, and you know her record shows she's got, she got several pretty impressive uh, knockouts and stuff on her list. But since she's came to strike force, she's gone to decision, and you know all the other decisions against uh, Misha Tate and uh, Shayna Baszler have been pretty exciting fights. But this one just didn't, uh, didn't have the pop of her, of her previous fights and. You know, it's hard to blame a fighter. You know, their job is to go there and, and win a fight, but at the same time, you're just like, wish that had been a little more, a little more cool. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't you have done a spinning back fist 360 flying knee? Or anything, or just finish the fight. Right, yeah, you know. So. It's a good thing you weren't in a crowd when you watched that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Bag. No, that's the thing. Like, I, I just would have been sitting there, you know. Again. No laptop in the stadium. Oh, yeah, no, I probably, I probably would have started texting or something. But, yeah, again. It's, Yelling uh, at the fighters. Puncher! Puncher, puncher, yeah. But so I, I guess I'm just not that vocal when it comes to that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I, I got disinterested, disinterested in the fight for sure, and it was a, 
It How was, long was the event uh, that was televised? Two hours? Uh, yeah, two, two and a half hours. Let's see. Uh, Any highlights from there? Yeah, I mean, it Luke Rockhold is one of the uh, kind of up-and-comers up and in Strike Force, and he put on another pretty good performance. He ended the fight with knees to the gut, which Ooh. is always good. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hard to take someone down that, uh, with the gut. Is that standing knees to the gut yep. or on the ground? Yes. Standing wow. knees. Tied knees to the guy. Mm. Yeah. Luke Rockhold was taken on Paul Bradley and ended in the first round uh, TKO knees to the body. Uh, I think he landed three or four before uh, Paul Bradley just kind of, you know, crumpled over and falling into the fetal position, you know, not offering any resistance. And the ref was like, and you're done. Mm. You know. <laughs> Paul Bradley was briefly on uh, season seven of The Ultimate Fighter. For, for those who uh, remember him, he uh, he he won the fight to get into the house, but then uh, a staph infection broke out, so he got kicked out. So he he managed to get into the house, but never actually had a fight once he was in the house, and um, kind of broke UFC protocol by getting signed to a competitive organization before the season actually aired. Um, which, of course, you know, he wasn't in the house. So by the first episode, he already knew that he wasn't going to win or anything. But it still spoiled that one or two episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Luke Rockhold moves up to, I think he's 7-1 and one now. Um, his only loss coming to uh, ooh, Tony Rubula Caba back in uh, 07. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he's fought uh, before uh, uh, a lot of the other Strike Force Challenger cards. I think he was on the undercard of the Shamrock versus Diaz. Uh, but uh, yeah, he—he's you know just from the fight he—he's—he's he's pretty uh, well-rounded. He's got the—he's uh, got the personality as well. I mean that—that that comes kind of plays into both. But you know I think something we've talked about here on the podcast before is just it, Strikeforce doesn't develop a, too many fighters. You know they'll, they'll pick up some prospects every once in a while, uh, and then you know sign guys who you know just got booted from the UFC or you know pick up some veterans that sort of thing who already have name value. But as far as developing their own fighters, like. Uh, they haven't done a whole lot of that yet, and I think Luke Rockhold could be one of those one of those guys. He had a pretty uh, pretty interesting post fight interview, which involved you know laying down the profanities, which is always good to get a, get a little. Uh, you gotta love that. Yeah, it's showtime, baby. Yeah, I'm like, what the, they're swearing on Spike TV. When, oh right, it's not not on Spike. Where's Joe Rogan? Call him a potty mouth. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand. But yeah, no. So hopefully we'll see him uh, next on you know one of the one of the bigger Strike Force cards and. Uh, uh, step up in the competition. Yeah, it looks like he also beat Jesse Taylor yes. uh, in his previous fight to this one, also from Ultimate Fighter Season 7. He was yeah. originally one of the finalists before he got kicked out Oops. for uh, uh, breaking a window in a limo and yelling at ladies in a uh, a, a casino owned by uh, the UFC owners. And, uh, you know, he was, he was looking really good there for a while. Um, he ended up losing to C.B. Dalloway after the show, but uh, was a, a really solid prospect and got a few good wins over in Dream. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a tough guy, and uh, it looks like uh, yeah, a very Rock solid wrestler beat so. him by uh, submission, rear naked choke. So uh, this guy is looking good. Uh, hopefully, he's uh, on a, a main card. Uh, Strike Force soon. Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, you talk about like uh, exposure for, especially the Strike Force fighters. It's and it go, I guess it's like the same thing almost as WC. They're they're not just not as saturated into the like the uh, the market as the UFC is. UFC has all their stuff on Spike, and the WC does have the wreckage and stuff, uh, which helps out a lot. But yeah, I mean, when it comes to Strike Force, it's like um, we have our big Strike Force cards, which are still mostly on Showtime, except for like you know, maybe three or four events that potentially could be on CBS a year. Um, but our, our main strike force cards still only, those only draw like you know, I think like six hundred thousand is like some of the higher drawing things. Whereas their challenger cards are also on Showtime, 
and don't draw nearly that much. So it's kind of those things like you're building up names, but you're still only building up names again, again uh, among like I guess the hardcore fans to an extent. But I guess even that's a good thing just to you know get more people into the mix for you know eventually you know year maybe a year or two down the line challenge for a title or something like that. But uh, no, it, it was a good fight. And I think uh, Rockhold fights at uh, 185 and. Uh, well, I think he was the guy who, uh, in their, po- their pre-fight interviews, they did like little pre-tape packages. It's kind of funny and also kind of sad because you know, the UFC does typical like, okay, tell us how you're going to kill your opponent or blah 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 blah. And this one they did like it was almost like get to know the fighters and they had them bring in something personal of theirs to talk about, <laughs> which is like, which is really amusing. But also at the same time, you're like, this is this is silly. William Shatner's raw nerve, you know, type right. deal. Like, here's my first toothbrush. Right, and I can't remember if it was Luke Rockhold or someone else, but someone brought in, like, a a, a surfboard, and someone else brought in, like, a karate black belt. Uh, the the best one for me, though, was uh, Sarah Coffin brought in a crossword puzzle and said that's what she does pre-fight. Like, when she's back in the locker room, she'll just bust out a crossword puzzle. So. Oh, she's a crossworder, huh? And she's Canadian. Ooh, she Ooh. must have a really nice vocabulary. She's, so that's probably, why, that's probably why she didn't... That's probably why she didn't finish Takeo Hashi is because she was too polite. Clearly, yeah, You know, I got, I got, I don't know if the Canadians are that polite. I saw an episode of uh, of ins- David Tell's Insomniac, and they were just real big jerks. You gotta trust David Tell, huh? Well, I'm gonna trust his show. Okay, <laughs> I saw it on TV. It must be true. Well, I'm just saying that I've never, uh, never seen uh, the Canadians put in such a light, and so still yeah. upset about hockey, huh? Come on, no. I mean, we won the gold medals. Uh, we're the medals race. Uh, you know we, what? We actually lost the gold medal race. Yeah. Well, with the hockey. But we're best at coming in second and third. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the co-main event of the evening for uh, Strike Force Challengers 6 was uh, Trevor Prangley versus Carl Amasu, and um, it ended in anticlimactic fashion. It got off to it. Carl Amasu was... Uh, Touted as the uh, explosive athletic type, but it, oh really? Yeah, uh, it, and I don't even, actually I don't even know if they use those words, but you know he's, he's kind of uh-huh. touted as having like the, being being fast on the draw and you know kind of come out swinging, ready to brawl pretty fast. And Trevor Prangley is more of a, a the wily veteran. Yeah, a wily or savvy veteran they call them something like that. Um, so he, he's a little more you know uh, take more shots you know to land his own that sort of thing. Uh, I think he's got a pretty good wrestling background. But, uh, yeah, it, it was going, there was a good back and forth, but then uh, um, Amasu took a thumb to the eye, a finger to the eye, and uh, they ended up uh, calling the fight on that, which is, um, you know, I know recently we were talking about Stefan Bonner's uh, fight uh, ending the, with a the cut. The TKO headbutt. Right, the TKO headbutt, and we were talking about how that should have uh, gone to the scorecards because it was in the third round, and, you know, maybe it could have been a draw, or it would have at least gone to a decision of some sort. And oddly enough, this fight, which ended in the first round, was declared technical draw for an eye poke, which I think should have been that should have been a no contest. That's what I would think. I, t- I could yeah. see a draw if it was in the third round, and, right? And right. each fighter had won a round, right? And they but I don't see how you draw with zero rounds. I right. mean, the score is just zero to zero, which I guess is a tie. Yeah. But I, I guess that I guess that's preferable to like having one one yeah. one fighter screwed out of a decision or something like that. Um, but it, it was one of those things where uh, Carl Monster got poked in the eye. Uh, you know, it didn't look horrible, but he couldn't open his eye. And then he said the magic words, "I can't see," and the doctor was like, "Okay, and you're done." And that's the thing. Um, I think I think during the broadcast, um, I can't remember if it was uh, the broadcast team was uh, Stephen Quadros. Um, 
Mauro Ronaldo and uh, Pat Militech. Ooh, no Frank Shamrock. Yeah, yeah. I think they really only bring out Frank Shamrock for the big shows. Oh, but, uh, Militech was there, and he was talking about. Uh, I, I think it might have been him, but it, someone brought up. You know, it's like, oh, they didn't give him his five minutes to recover, and then there's. Uh, the in, uh, the uh, announcers engage in a debate over whether that's just for eye, whether that's just for groin shots or eye pokes, blah 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 blah. And I think uh, Ronaldo busted out the, like the uh, unified rules, talking about how that's actually technically only for for groin shots, as we have five minutes to recover. And and regardless of that, what you can't say when you get poked in the eye is I can't see. The ref will the, that's uh, ask Scott Smith the first time he fought Robbie Lawler. That's the thing you can't say because you know it's it all goes back to the fighter protection, blah 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 blah. Um, so you know, it, it's basically like it, it sucks, but you know, Amasu said said the words, and uh, that's what happened. So hopefully they'll get a rematch. You know, it was pretty good back and forth. Amasu was uh, beaten prangly to the punch most of the times, but uh, again, not, the fight just didn't go on long enough to see how it was going to develop or like who really had the upper hand in that. But uh, other than that, uh, Yancey uh, Madreros, I, I hope I'm saying, I'm saying his last name right. He, he impressed. He was coming in. Uh, I think it was a, he, he. He's a Hawaiian fighter. Had been fighting in Hawaii. Recently, and this was his first uh, fight on the mainland, uh, and he uh, was coming in against Raúl Castillo, who was a, a touted prospect as well, and he uh, he put it on him and, and won a pretty uh, a, a decisive decision. All right, yeah, you as know, opposed to an indecisive right, decision. You know, well, because some, sometimes you go to a fight and uh, you know you're like, uh, that could go either way. I don't really know who won, but yeah, Yancy Madreros really put it on Raúl Castillo. Uh, Castillo really wanted no 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 part of the stand-up game. He was uh, shooting for, after a while, it was just like, not even, like, barely fake a punch, and then she'd be like, oh, take down, and it wouldn't work, and then he was like... So it was kind of like the main event? (laughs) (laughs) It it was worse, but I think it was paced better, and it wasn't five rounds, so that helped. So now, how did you feel about the refereeing of this uh, show? Yeah, there was a... that that always makes the events a little more interesting, you know. Uh, yeah, there was some bad refing. Uh, one one of the fights, uh, I'm really blanking on it right now, who who it was, but uh, one of the fights, uh, one of the, the uh, fighters took a, a knee to the groin and was promptly not given any time to recover by the referee. Like he he paused the fight and was like, whoa whoa whoa, uh, you know, no shots to the groin, stop it, dude. And then he's like, looked to the grounded fighter who had been kneed in the. Needed the groin. He's like, uh, you're okay, dude. It basically told him to walk it off and get back in there. And <laughs> right I, it off. I believe shots to the groin is one of the stri- illegal strikes where you're you are allowed five up to five minutes to recover. Uh, not not given that. Uh, another one. I think it was the. Uh, I'm trying to pull up like a, a, a recap or play by by so I can get the names right. But I think it was during. Uh, it might have been uh, during the Prangley fight, but I'm not sure. Someone was actually stood up from when they were in uh, working from the half guard on, on the ground, which is, you know, I. You could argue that if someone's, you know, in a position and they're not advancing that position and they've been there for two or three minutes, maybe the ref will stand them up, but uh, it hadn't been that long. And it was uh, not not great. Was, now, with this guy who got kneed in the balls uh, and was not given the time to recover, did he proceed to get his ass kicked right after that, or did he at least uh, uh, have a decent showing after you, that? You know, I believe he had a, a decent showing, and it, it might have even been the, uh, the, the first fight. Let's see here. Um... So I'm just thinking, if uh, if you got kneed in the balls like that and did not get a chance to recover, and then that would be fight. yeah, and lost a fight. That would be uh, really good uh, justification to try and get a, a a fight overturned, which doesn't really happen much. But in in a case like that, I would definitely be fighting for it. Oh yeah, most definitely. So it, I mean, it was it was unfortunate because I mean. 
It's just one of those things, like, you, the ref's got to have that stuff figured out. And, you know, there's always, you know, like, a ref missed it or something, but he, he didn't miss it. He, he, you know, separated the fighters, like, hey, stop that. Okay, go for it. And it was it was bizarre, you know. But, uh, you know, uh, overall, it was um, you know, a pretty decent card. There's one, other, one, one of the other fights, I totally just spaced out on the, uh, the guy's name again, because I'm digging through people's records and stuff here, so let me pull it up. But uh, Well, it doesn't sound like the most decent card ever, really. Well, I mean, bad refs, uh, boring fights. Well, let, let's be clear here. I mean, the, the, you can you know criticize uh, the, the bar is pretty low for like bad. I mean, yeah, there there was a lot of things where you're like, okay, that's that's not good. But let's put it this way: no one died in the ring. Uh, let's see, no one fell out of the cage. Sure. Uh, no fans rushed it. Uh, I mean, so yeah, there there was small gripes and complaints, but I mean, it was still. It was still professional MMA, is I guess what I'm saying. So, yeah, sorry, I, I do toss out decent as kind of just like one of those uh, stopgap words. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it wasn't an amazing card by any stretch of the imagination, and, you know, it was... But it didn't completely suck either. It didn't completely suck. That's Anyone's uh, out there you guys are seeing, like, oh, man, that was terrible. <laughs> the Ishtar of MMA, MMA cards, you know? Well, let's see. You know, I can't think of any professional ones that come to mind, but you and I saw that live show several years ago, the EFC. Um, (laughs) This organization had a ring, much like a a boxing ring, uh, except it had no ropes or turnbuckles. It was just a platform, which sounds cool until dudes fall off of the (laughs) platform because there's nothing to hold them on, which did happen. And there was like six or seven dudes like spotting these guys. And actually, the only time of this uh, show, because they only had four fights, another thing that was pretty crappy about this organization, (laughs) um... But the only time anyone fell off, there was just like a guy and another guy's guard, and they're like nudging towards the edge. And, you know, this is the perfect time. You know, in UFC, he would pin him up against the cage and do some ground and pound. Um, I mean, even in a ring, the, the, they sometimes kind of put a guy on the ropes and do a little bit of stuff, and you know, people get tangled in the ropes sometimes, which can be uh, disadvantageous. But in this, they just nudged towards the edge until uh, they kind of just fell off. <laughs> so yeah. The EFC was really crappy, but... Understood. Yeah, I've never seen a, a true professional event that has ever just made me walk away from being like, really? Like, did I just watch that? Like, that was that was terrible. Well, that's probably good for mixed martial arts then, because, I mean, there's been there's football games out there that are just bad. You know, baseball, a lot of professional sports out there, uh, sports out there where just sometimes... Things just aren't working out at all. Well, right. I think one, one thing that really uh, helps mixed martial arts in that event is, like, you know, you watch a mixed martial arts show, you're going to see minimum five fights. Uh, so while four of them may suck, then you'll get that one fight that was pretty cool. And, you know, it doesn't have to be the greatest fight ever, but if you get one fight that's pretty cool, at least you got something to walk away with. Um, and then usually you get more than... Five fights. I mean, especially with the UFC, where they can show you prelims, um, unless all the fights go to decision. Which, if you get five snoozers, that's probably the case. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you watch a football game; it's only one game of football. So if one team is blowing the other team out, you're, it's just going to be that one game of football for three hours, and uh, you know it, it'll be a snoozer. But you watch a three-hour UFC, and there's going to be a handful of fights. So I mean. Some of them can suck, but it's going to be pretty hard to make all of those fights suck. Yeah, and I guess uh, I, one of the things I guess I should kind of mention to differentiate is, you know, from a 
I, I guess I was kind of like almost using the phrase decent as uh, to describe like the uh, the promotional standpoint as opposed to like the because yeah the, the main event was boring and there's a few bad ref calls and, and again I think it goes back to is like but it was you know there wasn't uh, and I, I guess this is uh, from a result of you know having you know knowing that you know how bad MMA can be at an amateur level presentation wise this was still presented well enough there wasn't like major gaffes in production you know. The announcer got the people's names right, and again, like no one fell out of the ring, the cage didn't collapse, anything like that. So, but yeah, from a fight, like a critical fight standpoint, yeah, most of the fights just weren't that exciting. Again, there's a few few spots in there. There were some exciting finishes and fights, but uh, yeah, so I guess that's kind of where I'm drawing the line. So, and and so the production value. So it can be a, a poor. Poor fights, poor matchups, but if the production value is there, then it's okay. Well, I, I guess that's. Um, I mean, as long as it's wrapped up in a pretty bow, Tobin likes <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just put a chair on top of it. I'm good. No, I mean, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, I'm. I'm it's hard for, knowing how bad things can be. It's hard for me to be super critical. And, and certainly, again, this card, you know, it was pretty boring for the most part. Yeah, I was, you know surfing the web and doing all kinds of stuff. It wasn't really, you know, aside from one or two moments in the fights, I wasn't just like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next. But again, it, it, it's hard for me to just like go in there like, this is horrible, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Because it's not. There's way worse things I could have been watching. Uh, and again, knowing you know live streams of like free MMA events online, that the streams don't work and blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, there's some pretty bad stuff. The commentary worked. You know, the guys knew what they were talking about. So again, yeah, I guess it is the presentation. Um, but yeah, again, it's not like there was bad fighters in there who had no business being in the ring. It's just maybe the matchups didn't work out or whatever. So, again, I'm just not a hater, I guess. No, you're not. Yeah. I you're guess, no, you're you know, no troll, huh? Yeah, I, I guess if someone murders someone in the ring, I'll probably, uh, I'll, I'll complain about that. that well, let's make a deal. <laughs> he was murdered! <laughs> Speaking of which, Frank, Frank Mir. He snaps Brock Lesnar's <laughs> neck, I'll, I'll get all on, the, on top The cold-blooded murderer! Yeah, Frank Mir just got castrated by Dana White, <laughs> who made him make a public apology for uh, the comments that he said. And Frank Mir did, in fact, make that public apology to Brock Lesnar and the family of Brock Lesnar. In case at their he offended house or something? Oh, it wasn't Pre- at their house. I think it was probably. Conference yeah, it was a press conference, I'm sure, at the UFC's place of business. It released a statement. Yeah, <laughs> they made a statement. And, you know, like, I'm all for apologizing if, uh, you know, you do something wrong, which he did do something wrong. But you cannot say. I want this man to die at my hands, and then be like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. Like that, that wasn't very nice. My so. bad. <laughs> I don't think he meant it. <laughs> Which one yeah. didn't he mean? I don't know. Probably both. I mean, because this is certainly a little not bit of first, both. Maybe this is certainly not the first time we've heard someone say, "I'm going to kill this guy." Uh, you know, but uh, you know, BJ Penn said it before his second uh, fight with George St. Pierre. like, "This is a fight to the death. I am not kidding about this. I'm going to murder George St. Pierre or something like that." Um, so yeah, it's certainly it. But it's always it's always hyper it's always uh you know hyperbolic that sort of thing, but um and and so I I don't necessarily I do think it's kind of funny that it got this to this point with Frank Mayer with like oh you have to apologize for it but part of it is uh, the media was like picked up on it it's one of those things you can get away with a lot of people don't notice it. Well, also, I think there's something to be said for the fact that while they do mean the same thing, especially talking from a fighter sense... He was pretty dang specific. Well, <laughs> there's that, but there's also the fact that there is a difference between saying, I'm going to kill him, and saying, I want him to die. Like, you know, I'm going to kill him doesn't necessarily mean I'm literally going to kill him. It means, you know, I'm going to kill him, and he he gets knocked out. He's like, all right, I 
killed him. <laughs> Woo! But if you say you want him to die, like they're gonna bury him. You know, they're gonna uh, he, he's gonna be cremated or whatever. That's going to happen. Uh, there, there's no way around what Frank Mir said. He wants Brock Lesnar to stop living. And, you know, BJ Penn may have meant that about George St. Pierre, but he probably didn't. And, uh, you know, you can easily argue your way around him, you know, meaning that, I think. So th- there is somewhat of a difference there. But th- there's also the fact that, yeah, I mean, the sport is, you know, is continuing to get bigger. Um, and, you know, there's more media following it every day. So I, I could see that that would uh, also have something to do with it, that maybe just more people picked up on it because, uh, you know, maybe more people follow Frank Mir and Brock Lesnar than uh, BJ Penn, which is a little sad, I suppose, but... Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, when it, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, I, I don't care what fighters say before a fight, like, you know, unless it's something, like, really ridiculous. But, it, again, I kind of took, you know, you take everything, like, pre-fight build-up with a grain of salt, you know, again, I... I find it hard to believe that Frank Mir like really wants to murder Brock Lesnar. Sure. I mean, like maybe he's gone like you know single white female on him. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> well, the, the build up. So this is their third time, you know, well, meeting and tech, up. They, and have, just, they actually not even at that fight yet, which is the best part. Yeah. Frank Mir is actually fighting Shane Carwin, and yeah. you think he'd maybe want to focus on the guy he's fighting. Blah 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 blah. But you know, he brought that up in the interview where he I think actually made those quotes in the first place. Is talking about like the PC correctness of like pre-fight build ups and like how you have to talk about how you. You, you're supposed to respect your opponent, blah, 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 and not look ahead of the fight in front of you. And he's like, no, I want to get back at Brock Lesnar and kill him, blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, break his neck, mm-hmm. kill his dog, whatever. And and that's what Brock Lesnar actually said in a recent interview where Brock, of all people, takes the high road and says, you know what, I, all I'm saying is Frank Amir should, you know, worry about Shane Carwin first because he's tough. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, and Brock Lesnar hasn't been necessarily a saint through all this either. It, it depends how he's, he he takes what he gets. Yeah, no, he's able or to he spin gives it. What he, gives yeah. what he takes, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He's able yeah. to spin it a good way, and I think that, you know, a smart way anyways. And Frank Mir just kind of, not necessarily jumped the gun, but just like <laughs> shot to 11, you know, right away. You know, <laughs> Brock was at an 8.5, you know, and... uh Frank was not going to be outdone, you know, yeah. by by his mortal enemy. Yeah. So it's really going to be a downer if that, like their third fight never comes together, you know, for whatever reason. And then all this ridiculous, unnecessary, like freaking out over like death threats is just uh, unnecessary. Well, so. you know, like while I would say that Frank Mir is likely a uh, favorite over Shane Carwin, you know, Shane Carwin's undefeated. Yep. And uh, you know, like nobody's survived like three minutes with him, so uh, you know, it's not a given that. Frank Mir is going to get this title shot. It's, uh, you know, it's far from it. Yes. Excellent. Uh, really quick, I want to hop back on just for, you know, clarification for the strike force thing. I was talking about a, a fighter getting need in the in the groin, and it was Yancey Medeiros who ended up taking the fi- uh, the three-round decision over uh, Raul Castillo. Excellent. And, uh, I'm yeah. glad he won. Yeah, yes. but it was literally like, hey, um, shake it off. Okay, go. <laughs> so it was just one of those things, and, uh, yeah, standing, standing fighters up from a half guard and, yeah, it's kind of weirdo issues with that. It, 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 I guess that's one of those things where you're like, okay, that's uh, not great, and and that's not the fighter's fault. I mean, that's the, the, the refs, refs aren't. Fault. Yeah, the refs aren't hired by the organization either. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's one of those things. It, it was a lackluster event. And Dana White will be the first to tell you that he does oh, not hire man. the referees, especially Steve Mezzagatti. Yeah, if it's up to Dana White, Steve Mezzagatti <laughs> would never work again. So, uh, but at the same time, I haven't seen Big John in any UFC events. So. 
Who knows? Oh, the other, uh, and again, we'll hop on to some other stuff, like BJ Penn being on CNN. But really fast, uh, Tar- Tarek Safadine was the other fighter who kind of impressed on the Strike Force Challengers card. Uh, I believe he's uh, working out of uh, Team Quest. Uh, I, I believe Dan Henderson was in his corner, and he, he did a... Nice. He, he, he showed a good ground game, good uh, well-rounded skills, and, uh, and I think he's in the welterweight division. So, uh, well, was, give us uh, a call next time, and uh, we'll go... Uh Check it out. I'll go watch uh, Tobin's new TV. <laughs> uh, I believe when I mentioned it earlier in the day, uh, today, I was like, oh, sorry, I forgot to call you about Strike Force. And your exact reaction was like, oh, yeah, that was this weekend. <laughs> 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 so clearly you were waiting with bated breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, did you guys uh, hear uh, about BJ Penn being a uh, CNN news correspondent for a day? I did not hear about that. Yeah, well, there's the unfortunate uh, earthquake in Chile on sad, early Saturday. Yes, I heard about and, that. And there's the tsunami warnings throughout much of, you know, all, even all the way up here to Alaska, there's tsunami Ooh. warnings around the West Coast and Hawaii. And I'd heard they had tsunamis in Hawaii. Yeah, there was, uh, and, and I don't think any of the tsunamis in Hawaii were that bad, but, they, you know, before, before they hit, you know, uh, before you know you, the tsunami warning goes off, you have the sirens, and, uh, you know, that, that's like the citizen journalism right there. You know, the cable news outlets will go to, like, who's ever there, whoever they can get on the phone, whoever has, like, you know, a camera shot of the bay, and uh, BJPenn.com was, uh, <laughs> was the, the stream, the, the live feed of choice for CNN over the weekend. Which nice. Was, uh, wow. Pretty, pretty interesting. So, well, I mean, that's like, I mean, in the long run, that's... it's just So he has a webcam or something that he can move out there? Or, uh, like, of all the fighters, house, I, I think BJ Penn was really, like, the big Internet guy, at least at first. You know, now yeah. UFC is really promoting Twitter yeah. a lot. So BJ so, Penn's got his own website and B- all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. most yeah. fighters have their own website. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not very good. I mean, BJ Penn, like... He'll win a fight, and he doesn't always do it, but sometimes he says, you want to know how I feel? Go to BJPenn.com. Just leaves. Uh, I think they pretty much make him say something now, but he, he would much rather talk on his website, and he wants the traffic on his website as opposed to, I mean, I'll, I think a lot of these guys, they have the website. They may even not remember that it's there, but uh, you know, BJPenn's a big Internet guy for, for what it's worth. So, um, I mean... If you follow him on Twitter, uh, which, which I have him on Twitter, he's always posting uh, links to his website, which I can't actually see them on my phone, which is usually what I'm tweeting. Uh, so they're, they're fairly worthless to me. But um, if, if you're on the computer, uh, he's always posting videos. And, you know, some of them are cool. Some of them, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, if, if you're into BJ Penn, man, there's just all kinds of stuff with him on the Internet. He's all about it. So... That's pretty cool. They got picked up by, on by uh, CNN. Yeah, so he has like a really nice penthouse, or I mean, what? Yeah, I'm not. I, How did I, this at all benefit CNN? I guess he had to have like a place near yeah, the right, beach. Like, a CNN webcam. doesn't have like a Hawaii bureau, you know, yeah. it's like a, a major, you know, like you know, uh, Chicago, New York, that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, they, it's not like they have like uh, a lot of uh, equipment down there, so they just basically, you know, went to a mm-hmm. contacted someone who was. Had the uh, stuff set up, and yeah, BJ Penn's got a webcam, and he could see the ocean from his house. Well, BJ Penn is also like really rich. Um, He's I hear he's well paid. Yeah. Well, not only is he well paid, but he's about the only independently wealthy UFC fighter. Like he doesn't need the UFC job. He does it because it's cool. I mean, the 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 Penn family is. uh, a pretty well-known money family down in uh, in Hawaii, and they just happened to produce a son who's a world champion at jiu-jitsu, and mm. uh, 
and mixed martial arts. But um, I mean, he he said many times before that he doesn't really need them. That's why he left UFC for a few years and you know fought some fairly uh, obscure events just because he wanted to fight the fighters. He, he fought a handful of Gracies and he actually fought Lyoto Machida. Um, but you know he, he just didn't feel like fighting the UFC at the time, and then you know he came back because he's good. But uh, yeah, he he's got the money to. Uh, have a a nice place on the beach, I imagine, and uh, that would be perfect for uh, tsunami warning videos. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, Chuck Liddell's raking in that Reebok money, huh? He's got his own uh, private gym, maybe, where he, I don't know, where he just kind of works out. Oh, that real? He, I don't know. It, well, it actually happened, didn't it? Yeah, he and his girl were uh, working whether, out. Yeah, whether they it had was... some Reebok shoes on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. That was really staged. Well, yeah. It, I mean, it actually exists. It yeah, must it have happened. Yeah, it Yeah, they didn't. I mean, was it was it that staged? I thought it was just uh, I thought it was um, you know Dana White just peering in, right. <laughs> <laughs> looking was, at it, like looking at his gold fishes, you it know. Was, it was probably Tito. <laughs> his hand down his pants. But uh, oh, I guess, oh, oh, come on, oh. come on. You weren't thinking that at all? No. <laughs> yeah. Taking it too far once again, Matt. <laughs> whatever, dude. Yeah, no, that was, uh, you know, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, viral marketing, online weirdness. Uh, but for something like that, like where Chuck Liddell, just when you see the opening shot, just his open ass crack, you know, <laughs> and did not make me want those shoes yeah, at all. You don't want to buy Reeboks now? No. Weird. Well, I think it's kind of interesting that they they picked Chuck Liddell um, of all mixed martial arts fighters to be the uh, the guy to be in a naked video because you know while he's certainly you know a badass and is very tough, he doesn't have the body fat percentage that some uh, fighters do. Right. And you know when it when it comes to nude modeling, I would think that that's uh, probably one of the bigger things that they'd be looking for. Yeah. But you know it's, it's cool to see him. In you know a, a pretty big company ad, this is uh, you know the latest of uh, a handful of things. You know GSP, uh, George St. Pierre now doing Under Armour, yeah. and uh, but his ads are probably actually going to show up on TV. Where I yes. don't think we'll be seeing naked Chuck and his girlfriend. Who you know who's it, it, uh, maybe not in America. Get, it's one of those things that gets things, people talking. You know, you, Chuck Liddell pops up on like Yahoo's most searched for the day, that sort of thing. It's not like they're expecting. You know, if it was an upstart company and was like, oh, we're going to make a viral marketing campaign that's really obscure that no one will get, that would be dumb. Reebok doesn't need to, like, it's just one of those things to get people talking in the Internet, that sort of thing, you know? And it's, I guess they don't even care about what they're talking about because, like, yeah. do, you, do they, you know, they think that this is something like that we want to see? You know, like, I mean, she was okay. She was kind of hot, maybe a little overly done, you know? Too much plastic surgery, but why would Reebok think that this is what I want to see at all? Where why would, he just why does would someone re- post a video of them eating 82 pizza rolls in a minute and think mm-hmm. that's anyone someone wants to watch on YouTube? It was I mean, 40, but that's, that's, that's <laughs> different. No, it's not. They're just Reebok and other companies are trying to capitalize on the YouTube fad culture thing. And well, like, oh, we'll just put up a crazy video and, oh, he's wearing Reebok. But that's exactly what's wrong about it, though. The 40 pizza rolls guy, he thought that people did want to and see if that. If you want to rail against corporate America, go be my guess. I'm just explaining why this happened. Well, uh, I'm going to say, Matt, that we've been spending like the last five minutes talking about Reebok. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think this was a fairly successful thing. And, uh, I mean... It's not successful until I go and buy a shoe. Hey, you know what? Okay. There's a lot of people that may, you know, decide to buy a yeah. shoe. Let know, the record show that Naked Chuck Liddell will not make Matt Collins buy one pair of Reebok shoes. <laughs> Thus, the entire campaign is a failure. <laughs> but it does make him want to work out naked. Yes. <laughs> I'm so there. Should, should we talk about more real news? Should we 
Sure. Uh, Strikeforce uh, made some uh, fight announcements today. Snore! Yeah. Snore! No, don't worry. It doesn't have anything to do with their uh, challenges card. Uh, it's uh, the time. CBS one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan Henderson versus Jake C- Shields is official for the April 17th CBS Strikeforce main event. There was talk that Fedor was going to be involved in this, but it sounds like he won't be fighting until possibly May now. Um not against Alistair or Overeem, but uh, which is which is too bad. But uh, yeah, no. So it sounds like CBS has the their or uh, Strikeforce has their next CBS date finalized, and uh, you know there's all kinds of internet speculation about like why wasn't Fader on that card? Blah 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 blah. And you know is Dan Henderson a big enough main event for a uh, you know a network MMA card? Which you know that that's a totally different game than like a pay per view that sort of thing. Where you know I like. Dan Henderson in the main event there, but yeah. Jake Shields is going to be yeah. um, an issue. If it was the co-main event, you know, if Fedor was fighting the main event, that'd be another story where you know people remember that knockout of Brett Rogers. Yeah, I'll sit through this fight that may or may not have any excitement. You know, if Jake Shields wins, it's not going to be a fun fight, most likely. Um, and Dan Henderson is kind of fifty-fifty. You know, sometimes he goes in there with guns blazing. But sometimes he goes in there and just works the takedown. Decision Dan, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll we'll see. And it's one of those it's one of those unfortunate things with the uh, you know it's part of the uh, I, I guess selling your soul to be on network TV. You know, like it, you know you you, you got to have like some sort of name draw to get TV because like a good like pay per view rating like you know translated into viewerships it would be a horrible television rating almost you know so you you got to like kind of pull out uh, and, and I guess kind of make sacrifices that sort of thing and. You know, like uh, back when uh, Elite XC was on CBS, ooh, uh, you know they had you know the Kimbo Slice cards, the, oh, yeah. the cards with Gina Carano on them did great, and they had one card in the summer that had Jake Shields and the rematch between Robbie Lawler and Scott Smith. It didn't even do. I think it did like worse than half of the viewers. You know, it was, it was just bad because you didn't have the. Uh, I hate to I hate to use the term, but the mainstream stars who appeal to people who aren't necessarily interested in MMA and. You know, Dan Henderson's got his name off of Tough, and he's got, you know, recently got his name off off of Tough, and had the huge knockout off of off of Bisping at UFC 100. But uh, who knows how 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 far that goes, you know? So um, we'll see. Uh, also on this card confirmed now is uh, Gegard Mousasi versus uh, King Mo. Excellent. Ah, Mo Money, Mo Rockstar. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, that's an exciting fight. It's one of those fights that I'll, 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 I'm kind of pumped for, but it's one of those things where you're like, oh, King Mo. I'd be more excited for this in a year or so. Yeah. Because Mo Lawal has only been fighting MMA for like I think maybe like two years or something like that. He hasn't been on the scene that long. He's he's six and zero, oh, and I mean your UFC heavyweight champ is like what eight and zero, oh, something like that. Brock Lesnar doesn't have like a huge amount of fights, but in general, you want to give t- people a little more time to develop before you throw them in with, uh, you know, someone like Gegard Mousasi, yeah. who's 28-2. and two. I do like this fight, but, yeah. you know, it, it does seem a bit early for King Mo. You know, he he may pull it off, but, I mean, yeah, Musasi has looked amazing. Um, he, From all I've seen of him, he's uh, pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, King Mo, he, he looked good in his last fight, but... He, he was kind of fighting a stiff in there, also. Um, yeah, Mike Whitehead is not at uh, not performing at peak levels, and he hasn't really, uh, you know, recently been that credible of an opponent. Uh, I think King Mo does have the opportunity, you know, uh, much like a May- uh, Jason Mayhem Miller, to be like that that guy who gets gets fans going, you know, with his outrageous antics, that sort of thing, and then also puts on a good performance. Um, but on the downside, he doesn't have an MTV show to promote himself before before the fight. 
Yeah, but if he's uh, Mayhem's homie, yes. uh, perhaps Jason Miller will hook him up with uh, some free publicity on yeah. that one. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, I mean, Jason Mayhem Miller's had many more years in the MMA game to, to kind of gain a following, whereas King Mo's still, still up and coming, but we'll see. And I think it's still unconfirmed at this point, but uh, another potential uh, fight on the uh, the Strike Force April 17th card uh, potentially could be between Gilbert Melendez and Shinny Aoki. That was, uh, Melendez was actually interver- interviewed during the. Uh, Okay, you know their spots now. The Strike Force Challenger six card. No snore, no boring. No, it's cool, man. No, okay, it's fine now. It was decent. <laughs> okay. Uh, they interview Melendez during. <laughs> <sighs> That's what I get for trying to have a conversation with Tobin Shelby. Jeez, you make a couple brash uh, statements, and he just does just uh, beats it into your head I'm afterwards. I'm trying to get you involved. You know, it was call and response. You know, I say Strike Force Challengers, you say snore. Yeah, see. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a fight that has been basically talked about since Gilbert Melendez beat Josh Thompson in yep. the rematch. Um, Shinya Aoki is. Uh, the number one guy at lightweight in Japan. Yep. Uh, I mean, BJ Penn, I think it, the consensus would be ahead of him. Uh, Gilbert Melendez ranked right around there. Yeah, I definitely mean, a top ten fighter for sure. I mean, both those guys, I'd say actually uh, both are definitely probably top five yep. even in the world. So, I mean, this is, if it, if it uh, does come to be, I think it's a great fight, um, one that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, they were talking to Melendez uh, on the Challengers card about that. Mauro Ronaldo did, like, the cage side of the interview. And, you know, he was like, who do you want to fight next? And they talked about, you know, maybe a rubber match with Josh Thompson. But, you know, Melendez specifically called out Ioki and said, like, you know, I'd love to have that fight. I'd love to, you know, bring the dream title to uh, to uh, San Francisco, that sort of thing. So uh, they, they were laying the groundwork for it. Um, and especially since uh, they kind of have the Strike Force dream partnership where they trade guys back yeah. and forth. Um, Talent exchange. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool to see happen. Yeah, that's like the one thing, you know, the UFC is clearly head and shoulders, you know, just from production standpoint, except for the Gladiator guy. But, you know, just the the, the depth. Hey, don't of, be talking smack yeah. about that Gladiator guy. But he's he's you know, been on every single pay-per-view. Yeah, the depth, <laughs> the depth of uh, the fighters, that sort of thing. The UFC is really head and shoulders uh, above all the other promotions. But, you know, the one thing that is kind of cool is you do get these kind of, and I don't even necessarily call them dream matchups at this point, but you do see, like, you know, won't it be cool if the champ from this organization fought the champ from this organization? And, uh, you know, you, you don't really see that in UFC, and they have very good reasons for that. But uh, at the same time, uh, it is cool to see, you know, like, oh, what if this, you know, let's have the Strike Force uh, lightweight champ take on the uh, dream lightweight champ mm-hmm. and, and see what happens, you know. So, and again, like, value, name value-wise, I don't think, like, CBS viewers, people who aren't normally watching a lot of MMA are like, oh, boy, that oh, guy sure. versus that guy. But, uh, you know, for, for <laughs> Or if they're watching How I Met Your Mother, you know, like, yeah. hey, all right. Yeah. But uh, there could be great... That Hispanic guy's really going to beat it out of that <laughs> Japanese guy with glasses. Yeah. <laughs> but it's there, though. It's yeah. there on network television, yeah, and it's so available, and that's what's important, is yeah. getting mixed martial arts into as many homes as that will have them. That yeah. and it would be a title shot, with, uh, title shot, which would always be uh, exciting for people who don't necessarily have a whole lot else that they're excited about. Um, you know, anytime there's a title on the line, it's uh, just an added thing of interest. Yep. Uh, I mean, especially for first-time viewers who don't know anyone. Uh, you know, they, they hear this guy's the champion. This guy's fighting for the championship. They're like, all right, I at least uh, you know I know that this guy is. You know, the champion's not always the best in the division, um, but, you know, in theory he's going to be, and that's a good starting place for a beginner. And uh, for any show on CBS, there should be a lot of people who are uh, potentially first-time MMA viewers. Yep. 
And, I, and again, the the card's still to like be finalized at this point. But it, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see. Uh, again, it's kind of unfortunate Strike Force can't uh, utilize Fedor for this card, and uh, Gina Carano still off uh, making mm. Steven Soderbergh movies. And, and you know, so those would be kind of snore, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Strike Force try and get some more. Um, you know, maybe see if they can get Mayhem Miller back for another fight, because you know, even though he lost his fight against Jake Shields, he got he got a lot of fans, and you know, he's proven that he he does have a, a pretty big following and can maybe bring some more viewers into that card. Dana White's trying to get his hands on Mayhem, though. Also, uh oh, bum bum bum. Yeah, I Dana's gonna do the Mayhem. I, I, <laughs> Come on. I don't know if. Uh, Mayhem's got any fights left on his contract, though. He, he, I mean, he might have a contract to finish out, but Dana White said at the post-conference of this last UFC that Mayhem is one of the guys that he's got his eyes on. He's trying to get back into uh, the UFC, which... They need as many people as they can to fight George St. Pierre, right? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I mean, George St. Pierre did fight Mayhem yes. several years ago, and he won, but, you know, it was a decision. <laughs> he, he wasn't able to put Mayhem away, and Mayhem did a kip-up in the octagon. Yeah, Mayhem Miller is one of those guys who's hard to put away. Like, you, you, you probably beat him soundly via decision, but, like, I mean, against Jake Shields, you know, he was escaping all kinds of submission attempts. He's very, uh, very resilient, as it were. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, the other big strike force news, it sounds like... Uh, Andre Arlovsky is officially signed to Strike Force now, Ooh. so they're adding another nice. quality heavyweight. And it sounds like uh, the, their next uh, big card, following this April card, it will be in May. And it sounds, and I, I think that'd be a Showtime card, but details are still kind of being uh, worked out. It sounds like, but uh, you know, that would have Fedor on it. Uh, it sounds like they're trying to get Overeem as well for uh, versus Brett Rogers, which would be interesting because that'd be a fun fight to watch. But it wouldn't be for the official Strike Force belt. Overeem's the champ. He hasn't fought there in a long time. Over two years right. now. But, and Brett Rogers is just coming off as his, his loss to Fedor. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know what the issue is there. they gotta have, they got to have the top. You know, Fedor is the top heavyweight in strike force, arguably, you know, in MMA. they got to have him fight for that, that promotion's belt. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. that. Uh, well, I've been reading yeah. some rumors about Fedor. I don't know that any of this is confirmed necessarily, but... Uh, Rumor has it Fedor says he doesn't want to fight Overeem until he passes a, a P test. Probably a good call. Which, uh, you know, like, I don't like to throw out baseless accusations, but, you know, you look at Overeem when he fought Chuck Liddell, and you look at him now, and he he's a lot bigger. Um, so, you know, take what you want from that. But, uh, and he hasn't come back to the U.S., right? No, he, he fought uh, Paul Buentello. Uh, two and a half years ago when he won the Strike Force title. And as far as I know, he hasn't fought in America since then. Mm-hmm. And he keeps coming up with, you know, like my hand broke in a bar fight. Uh, and then, you know, he, he, like a couple of weeks later, he fights in Japan over in Dream. Um, so, I mean, you know, and then Japan just has no regulation for that. They don't care if you're on steroids. Um, it's, it's just part of the game. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to just flat out say that he's a total roid user but at the same time you know if you're gonna be speculating about anybody he's a he's a good suspect yeah but I, I like how Fedor and his camp are taking play out of the uh, Floyd uh, Money Mayweather camp. It's like oh you gotta pass a pre-fight drug test and like uh, the more rigorous one because uh, Mayweather was pulling that against uh, Manny Pacquiao before their boxing bout got, got cancelled mm. so Kind of interesting. But I thought Fedor was supposed to be fighting uh, Fabricio Verdum. Yes. Uh, whatever that, happened to that? That fight's still on. That sounds like that's going to be on the on the May uh, the May uh, Strike Force card. So uh, rumored so far, it, it looks like is uh, Fedor versus Fabricio Verdum, uh, Overeem versus Brett Rogers, and they just signed Andre Arlovski. And it sounds like they're trying to work him in with a fight, perhaps against uh, Antonio Silva 
mm. who uh, I think just came off of his uh, loss to Verdum. Verdum, and it might have been his first loss, but uh, yeah, Antonio Silva's a uh, not. I don't think he's a t- he's not a top ten heavyweight, but he's 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 a, a a prospect in the heavyweight division for sure. So that that could be a fun fight, and you know, Andre Olovsky's coming off. Uh, I think his last MMA fight was his really like twenty second knockout loss to uh, Brett Rogers. So. Yeah, he's it, coming off two losses in a row uh, with Burt Rogers and Fedor before that. Yeah. But, you know, that's two top guys. Um, and I think the jury is still a little bit out on Brett Rogers. Yeah. Um, he did impress against Fedor. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, but at the same time, he's got one big win now and then one big loss. And, you know, there's no shame in losing to Fedor. But his, his biggest win by far was against Andre Arlovsky, who... Excellent fighter, but there's some questions about his chin, yes. and um, you know, to put him away in 20 seconds doesn't really answer a whole lot of questions about yourself when you're fighting a guy whose uh, whose chin is a liability, and uh, um, you know, in, in 20 seconds he doesn't have a whole lot of time to expose any of your weaknesses. Right, it's kind of funny. Like the same, uh, yeah, we definitely learned a lot more in his loss to Fedor than we did against his win versus Arlovsky. But it's kind of funny. The same kind of questions that come up with Brett Rogers are almost uh, parallel to that of uh, Shane Carwin over in the UFC, who's never been out of the first round. Um, but you know, the question is like, well, if he beats all the guys in the first round, does he do we does he need to prove that he can go the distance? If he's just going to constantly you know knock him down or what or whatever? So it's one of those things. Well, you know, what have we really learned about this fighter versus like, well, it, it's working, so you know, yeah. whatever. But yeah, it's just one of those things where you want to you want to know more about you know what the fighter has to offer. You know, yeah, like Greg mentioned, strengths, weaknesses, that sort of thing. So, well, if you are listening to this on iTunes, excellent job. If not, you can do what? Listen to all this on iTunes. You can comment, rate, uh, get the show. Um, a little bit more noticed, I guess, but uh, you know, back yeah. forward through the parts that you don't like. Oh, come on, that what, was a what good, part would that, that was a good conversation. I, I don't know, this thing's just been going for like you know an hour and twenty minutes, so yeah. there might be some parts in there that people and uh, you know, oh, the part about chocolate Hell's ass crap. <laughs> <laughs> Matt talking about how he hates corporate America, how it's corrupting YouTube, and yet I'm talking about I'm a, I'm a walking contradiction. <laughs> Tell me, I'm crazy. Buy a Reebok. Dun 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 dun! It's not the Reebok sound. No. <laughs> Does Reebok even have a sound? Oi! We'll get on that. Come yeah. up with this trademark Reebok sound. All right, but leave a comment. Uh, go to the forum. Download us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. So. Hold on. I was just cruising the internet. Uh, bloody bloody elbow posted a quality link to um, Marcus Davis's uh, the Irish Hand Grenades Twitter page, <laughs> and. Um, you know, not mincing words. We're talking about Frank Mir maybe saying he wants <laughs> Brock Lesnar to, to die in the ring. Marcus Davis Twitter at so and so. I hope Dan Hardy dies of AIDS. Whoa! Damn! Wow! <laughs> Stay classy. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Hardy having beaten <laughs> Marcus Davis by a split decision. That's that's why. Yeah, uh, clearly. Um, and Dan Hardy being a needle drug user. I don't. You know, <laughs> Dan Hardy had some quality smack talk where he. Uh, he, he said that, uh, you know, he didn't believe that Marcus Davis was a true Irishman. And, uh, you know, Plastic Patty, was, I yeah. think that's the term. Plastic <laughs> Patty, that's he was awesome. playing up his uh, Irish heritage yeah. uh, when he, uh, when that was false. You know, he's an American, yeah. not an Irishman. And uh, 
Man, Marcus Davis was mad about that. Yeah. Mad enough to wish AIDS upon another man, apparently. Yeah. So, some more smack talk in the weeks to come with Dan Hardy's you know, fight coming up against GSP. Uh, you know, I guess he just posted a bunch of responses to uh, you know, all the fighters that have been talking smack against him, uh, Mike Swick, Josh Koscheck, on, his, uh, on a blog, which uh, we should get into next week, but there's some pretty quality stuff in there as well. Excellent. G- give you some reading for the week. I'm Thanks excited. Nice. Yes. Well, until next time, it's been the Audio Choke. I'm Greg Rowan. I'm Tobin Shelby. I'm Matt Collins. We'll see you next week. In the argument between, like, for people who want to engage in the boxing versus MMA, who would win? Everyone's like, oh, an MMA fighter. But that, but that argument is based upon the fact that an MMA fighter could go for a takedown and submit the guy, not the MMA fighter is better at punching. Because <laughs> boxers are clearly better at punching than <laughs> MMA fighters. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure if this was the same card or not, but around the same time, and also in Alabama, they had... Uh Kyle Maynard have his first MMA fight. Uh, and that he, was on the same card, but yeah, I it, remember that. He was uh, the wrestler, like the high school wrestler who made national headlines in like 2004 because he had no arms and legs. Oh. <laughs> he had like stumps at his elbows and knees. Yeah. Um, which in wrestling was actually more of an advantage than it sounds like because um, he was at such a small weight class because that's all that weight that's gone. So he's like really muscular. And he was, like, wrestling all these dudes who were just, like, really skinny. And, like, they could grab, I guess. But you don't do a whole lot of grabbing in wrestling. You, yeah. You, so he'd, like, just, like, kind of push you over and then just would out-muscle these kids. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> he, he won, like, all these tournaments and shit. And he was this huge story. And he wanted to fight MMA. He wanted to fight MMA. And it was like, no. <laughs> fight MMA. <laughs> and uh, he finally got a fight, like, a year ago in Alabama. Yeah. And it's against some guy who's, like, 0-2. Like, <laughs> some shitty fighter. Because that's a lose-lose situation to be Absolutely. the guy who's fighting an amputee. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a quadruple amputee. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the whole fight, like, they actually made a rule that he's technically always a grounded opponent, so you couldn't kick him in the head because, you know, he's, he's on his knees. But mm-hmm. the whole fight was, and I didn't watch it. Uh, I, I saw the link, but I couldn't feel the need to click it. Basically, just like the guy, like. <laughs> just him running away and poking the other guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah they went to the decision. Oh, oh went to the decision. <laughs> There's no way you'd want to be the guy who's like, yeah. Knocked out with an amputee. <laughs> My body slammed him. Yeah, you just want to. That's, that's horrible. Like, it's, you know, it, it's the motivational oh. thing. That's cool that he wanted to do it. But yeah, just like for like an actual MMA fight, that's just seems like a horrible, horrible idea. He's yeah. apparently got some sick jujitsu though. Yeah. <laughs>